Hey friends, welcome to the Kingdom Movement Leadership Podcast, where you can be equipped and inspired to grow and maximize your influence as a leader. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today we have such a special guest with us, Ben Fitzgerald, the founder of Awakening Europe. We are so honored and privileged to have you with us. The last couple of days have been just phenomenal and the way God moved in our church, in our school. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, Roman. And uh, to be in your church, it's like, wow, I mean, God's doing such amazing people here with with the people here. So I love it. Amazing things are happening. Awesome. Well, today we wanted to get right to it. This is um, a leadership podcast and we just wanted to draw on some of the things you've learned through your life uh, and ministry, just mm-hmm. real talk. And and you're yep. good at that. You're yep. good at being vulnerable and just opening yourself up to the room. And God is using you mightily in the area of deliverance and intimacy and just mm-hmm. you move in power, but also known as a man that just radiates the love of the Father. Trying. <laughs> and uh, even, you know, I posted an Instagram story and so many people are writing me a common theme about you is I love the way he loves. Oh, and that's I was like, good. Oh, wow, they should a- write to me then. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, good, a, that's a good compliment. Yeah. yeah, that's a nice one. Yeah. Uh, so I think you just host that so well and just Thanks. the presence of God. So yeah. wanted to just have you have the freedom to share your heart and mm-hmm. as the Holy Spirit leads you, but also just kind of ask a couple of questions that I think could be just keys for other people yep. uh, growing in the things of God, growing in yeah. ministry. Yep. And in the places of influence God called them to. So good. Uh, what would you say are the most important keys for a Christian leader? Well, utter dependency and obsession with Jesus would be the beginning point for me. And everything else comes out of that because, you know, he said, follow me, didn't he? Mm. And the ministry path was never really discussed. He just said, follow me and I'll make you this. And so for a leader, I mean, we are responsible to steward as Paul said, the mysteries of God. And I don't know the mysteries of God unless I'm close to the God who's mysterious. And I can only know him as, as well as I am close with him. Mm. And so for me, a big key for leaders, I think often we jump straight down the like, how can I do, you know, like I'm going to do a preaching track or watch five YouTubes about better vernacular and communication. Those things are very important. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are, I, I wish I was a better communicator. I need to invest time. Those things are great, but those things are like step number 12, step number 14. Yeah. Step number one, the simplest key is don't depart from the closeness that you have with him. In fact, deepen it. And then you have something to give people that is different. Um, you know, you've, we've probably all heard this story. There was a, a f- famous sort of testimony of a young man who was like a really upcoming preacher. And he was, you know, powerful, dynamic communicator, amazing preacher and and uh and he read he got up in the same this one church that um he was asked to to read it read out he got up and read psalm 23 mm. and uh and, w- and when he read it out loud he just was like the lord is my shepherd you know he's like i don't know how loud this is going to sound to the ears of the ipod listener right now but he's like the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he leads me beside you know he's yeah. kind of been very powerful <laughs> and um and everybody started clapping wow you know at the end like yes the lord my shepherd and then um, they addressed this old man who'd been in the church for like 50 years. He was probably his late 70s. And they said, uh, would you like to come up and read a scripture? And he wanted to read the same scripture. He read the same verse. He read Psalm 23 and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside these still waters. And he started to read it. 
and it came out of the depths of who he is and mm. everyone was weeping. People just began to weep and the presence of the Lord flooded the building. Well, what's the difference? They read the exact same verse. They spoke the same words and everyone listening to this knows you can hear one person say something and another person says the exact same sentence and it's different. There's an oil and there's a resonance there that mm. is just different. So young Christian leader, it's great to be able to communicate. It's great to be to know what the times are, to, to be able to speak to the world. But it's different. Having oil is different to having knowledge. And, and this young guy, when this old man came off the pulpit, people were weeping. Mm. And he said, how come that didn't happen when I read Psalm 23? When, when I said, he goes, the, the reaction is so different. The, the sweetness of Jesus' mm. presence in the room when you read this psalm was so strong. And the old man said, he goes, oh, son, he goes, you know the psalm, I know the shepherd. Wow. And that's the difference. Wow. The biggest key of any young Christian leader is you've got to cleave and be dependent on the Lord like he is your absolute breath and life and last thing and first thing of your day. And, and it's not in a religious way like, oh, you're my first breath. It's not in some weird way. It's mm -hmm. in a true dependency and relationship to him where, as I, as I just talked about earlier, where he can really see your vulnerable parts and, and you can give that to God. Mm. And I'd say another key from that point of being close with Jesus is, uh, is really being free of the fear of man and not conforming the calling he gives you as an individual to what people think or the mainstreams and tracks that we've created over the years. Some of those tracks are amazing, like go through Bible college, get ready for ministry. That's all beautiful and amazing. But what if the Lord calls you to plant a church and you've never planted a church? Mm -hmm. You know, As many as the Lord our, call, uh, our God will call, he has an individual call for that person and they should not change their makeup and DNA to try and become like everybody else. They should be changed into his image. Mm -hmm. It's Romans 8, 29. Wow. What would you say is the fear of man is, is a theme in mm -hmm. your ministry where yeah. you come in and, you know, even as you were coming here, Dylan's like, I bet you anything, there will be manifestations happening and a freedom yeah. taking place in the classroom setting that just yeah. because you carry that. And a lot of times it's connected to what you're hosting in your own life. Yeah. And what would you say is the evidence? Because fear of man can be a very general statement. <laughs> And oftentimes used as language, and we can pick up language, but never manifest the life yeah. of those words. Yeah. What would you say is the evidence of someone that's walking free from the fear of man? That's a fantastic question because um, the evidence is, is it can be diverse according to the, the person. But I would say that um, a big thing is you know when you're free of the fear of man when your ministry is about pleasing the Lord more than them first. Mm. when your ministry and the focus of what you're doing is about what God will do for the people. I remember when I was not free of the fear of man, I would minister. And Roman, honestly, it was through mixture. There was a, I wanted to preach a good message in order to be liked by the people I'm preaching yeah. to. And the Lord eventually, he's like, cut that off me and prune that mm -hmm. off me. And he's like, no, no, I want you to preach so that my people are fed by me. You know, every, every minister, like what was John the Baptist's mandate? What did, what did he say? Behold the Lamb. Every minister that's truly close with God and free of the fear of man points to Jesus more than to themselves. Wow. And and they don't. Their goal is to get people close in closeness with God. The evidence of of people who are free is that they don't try and conform who they are to what people think they need to be. They just be themselves. And I found that I used to be very worried, Roman, about what people thought of me in ministry settings, in 
leadership settings, even like doing a podcast like this, honestly, I'd be worried about what I would have said and did it sound as cool as the last guy's podcast? And, mm -hmm. you know, I would have had those thoughts running through my mind, but now I'm happy in the skin that I'm in and happy to deliver to the body of Christ the individual grace God gave me. Mm -hmm. And I'm also happy to be misunderstood. I think that's a major one, probably the biggest one, is the, the willingness to be misunderstood by people and yet not change. Mm. Love them more, you know, wow. but not change who you are. Because Jesus was constantly misunderstood, as was Paul, as was Peter. And that's real evidence that you've been free to the fear of man because you're like, yep, I get it that someone's misreading my behavior, but my heart's right and my behavior is not coming out of a place of, of wickedness. I know I love Jesus and I know that's why I preached the truth here. That's why I said this thing. That's why I counseled this person to be this way. That's why I preached on the street and said no to a conference. Instead, I went and did an outreach. I found out recently that Mike Bickle said no to being part of one of the biggest stadium events in America in the last 30 years because he had a prayer meeting and a Bible study that he wanted to attend. Wow. That's freedom from the fear of man because mm -hmm. that could be seen as you don't respect what, how big this invitation, you know, he didn't care. He felt like, no, I really feel I need to be faithful to the sheep that God gave me in this specific Bible study he was doing and this prayer meeting. And he, he just stayed and did the Bible study instead of taking the stadium platform. Mm-hmm. And uh, that speaks volumes to me. It speaks yeah. that he understands that he knows what God's call is for him. He's not balancing that calling against what people think of his calling. Mm -hmm. you know, And he's not being who he thinks people need him to be. Yeah, He's being who he believes God has called him to be. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. So good. Yeah, I'm just reminded, I think it's Colossians where it says that we with unveiled faces behold yeah. the glory of the Lord um, as though in the mirror and we are being transformed. Yes you know, into his image yes. from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Yeah. We see a progression there, like in beholding Jesus, that yes. we are becoming more and more like him. Yeah. Would you say in the place of this freedom from the fear of man, yeah. uh, a lot of times maybe we view it as like a one-time deliverance <laughs> and it's done. Uh, uh, I would say you probably see it as a progression where yeah. God over the years of your life has almost like, went like layer by layer, removing yeah. certain fears and things like that. Yeah. So in that journey for yourself, like what were some of the key moments that broke off hmm. these like fears and these strongholds that caused you to like steward freedom this way? Yeah, I can remember a few of them. <laughs> they were usually pretty like either overwhelming or embarrassing. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. That's what we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like where you, I used to like have such a fear of, of especially well-known Christian leaders that I would say things around them. Like my nature would literally change, you know, like I'd be talking normal to a dude who's like, you know, asking for prayer and or someone on the street, Hey, how you doing? Ordering coffee normal. But then I'd be talking to someone like a major Christian mega church pastor and I could barely look him in the eyes. I was worried about what he'd, what he'd think of me. And I'd speak like a weirdo. You know what I mean? Like oh, I'd walk I away from exactly the I'd walk away from about. the convo going like you just said the dumbest stuff. Like <laughs> it didn't sound deep, it didn't sound right, it was just weird. You know? And and I was uh, I think I was kind of trying to impress people. So I remember those, but one specific encounter I had with the Lord where it was just him teaching me. Um what happened actually in the United States. I'm from Australia living in Germany, but it happened in Indiana. And it was the biggest conference up until that point as a believer I'd done. And, you know, I'm a little fiery ministry, got my pampers on baby out there in the ministry, you know, just sort of just, just, just alive with zeal. Like I wanted to be a, a faithful minister in power, moving the power of God. I was all the day thinking about miracles and reading and studying, like just so um, enraptured in this pursuit of the power of the Lord coming over mm. me. And, and it's cool, you know, it's just a baby, yeah. baby child, childlike zeal. It's really cool. 
But I got to this conference and it was big, you know. So there's like a couple of thousand people and I'm like, wow. And inside, I wasn't like I've made it, but I kind of felt really good, you know. Like I'd never been to a green room before. I'd been to little <laughs> churches of, you know, like 100 people and 50 people and, and I'd still come and just bring my all to those 50. I didn't care about any of the crap, the status that people now put on where you're at in the ladder of Christian ministry, which doesn't exist, by the way. Um, but that whole system of being, I didn't care about that. I was just innocent. But I realized when I got to this meeting that something was really definitely in the way I saw myself and saw people. And I go next to the stage. The pastor calls me to the side of the stage because he's ready to close and he's going to intro me. And my heart was thumping. I mean, I'll put it on the podcast. You can. Mm-hmm. It was like that. And you've probably had that before. People have that sometimes when they go in a long sauna, bunya, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but my heart was thumping to the point where I had to start telling God, help, like, please, I'm going to faint. I'm going to pass out. And I'm like, and the pastor's about to get up there and, and I'm like, what is going on? So I rebuke it. I say, I rebuke you, devil. I think it's the enemy, you know? Mm. But I, I thought about it for a second. Every time I look back over the crowd, my heart starts thumping again. Now, we put that down to nerves. I have a measure of nerves. I don't, I don't feel, honestly, just to be raw with you, when I get up to preach, I don't think the sound of my voice is the best preaching voice. I hear Reinhard Bonnke or some other dude like that and I'm like, dude, I, I didn't get the package he got, you know, and the voice mm-hmm. he sounds like just like thunder moving through the room. Yeah. So I get a bit insecure, but this was not insecurity. This was like thumping. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, help, help, because I really thought I was going to faint, like for real. Wow. And, uh, and he said a sentence to me. That stopped, it didn't stop my heart, but like it calmed me because it took my mind right out of what I was doing. As I was looking over the crowd, my heart's beating 100 whatever a minute and I'm getting overwhelmingly nervous and starting to sweat two minutes like that. The Lord says to me, people only get this nervous when they're about to put on a performance. Wow. <laughs> well, I knew exactly what he was saying with that sentence. Yeah. You know, God says one thing and it's kind of like a one short sentence says a whole lot more. And I knew exactly what I was doing in that moment. I wasn't getting on that stage to feed God's people. I was getting on that stage for them to see who Ben Fitzgerald is. Yeah. I was getting on that stage because this is the biggest opportunity I've been a part of. And yeah, I was going to bring the gospel. Yeah, I was going to bring the scripture. But the part of it was what I'm going to get fed by in this, the equation of me being fulfilled. And I think we get fulfilled with such joy when we do the will of the Lord. There's so much pleasure when we just go out there and be a pastor or a preach or even do a stadium. God smiles on us when we're in our calling. But I was manipulative in that sense of I feared people's opinion. I wanted so badly to be liked that it made me nervous. It took my heart out of what I'd give to them from God and it put it straight into the point of what I will take from the church mm. or take from the conference to fulfill me. How many followers might I get after this? Yeah. You know, I started to think different like that over the years. And so then the Lord would have scenarios like that. It would prove me really nice. Wow. And I got on stage and I preached. I remember I preached a real good message actually. It was really good. And the Lord really moved. But he moved because at that point I really just, God, I'm so sorry. I repented mm-hmm. near the stage. And uh, I got on that stage feeling at peace with the Lord. Wow. I was like, I'm doing this because I love him and because I love people and my motives are really clear. And we see we see the fruit of that. I, I remember Vic's with us actually right now. He doesn't have the mic, but he's... Yes, he can yell out. You can yeah, hear him. You, can, the... you can feel his presence <laughs> yes, through this. Yes, totally. <laughs> his anointing is, yes. is in the room. But yes. he was sharing at one of the stadiums. He flew in with Anastasia. They were taking a sabbatical. Yeah. And one of the things he took away was like how you were able to host a silence in the room of 15,000 or 10,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> and just just to wait on the Lord. Yeah. And I think there's so much 
opportunity for the fear of man to come up. Like we have to, we have to do something, Yeah. but you were able to just rest and just wait on the Lord. And obviously powerful things came out of that. And so much freedom came out of that. Yeah. Um, so that's just amazing to see. Yeah. And I think that those kind of moments, you know, you, the, the more progress, the more you progress in dropping that fear of what people think of you and following the wind of the spirit, mm-hmm. the more you progress in that. Now you're not, some people might take this to an extreme and go, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks. I'm just going to yell. I'm going to grab my shofar and crack it open in the middle of a silent moment. You know, That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the freedom to be sensitive. You know, The mm-hmm. freedom because my sense, my, my sense of what others are thinking is not anywhere near as strong now as my sense of what God wants to do. Mm-hmm. And that's freedom of the fear of man because you're more focused on what the Lord wants and how he wants to stop people or... And, and, and that's where, where you can sit in silence and it can be awkward for the time being, but then all of a sudden people start screaming out to God and someone gets healed, you didn't even pray. And there's all this stuff that comes out of it that's fruit. And I remember this specifically one time that the Lord told me while walking from a shopping mall to the church that I was preaching at, they said, you can go over to this mall, it's not far walk, you know, three, four minute walk. You can go get some food in the, in the, um, over there before your night session, before you preach. Mm-hmm. I hadn't actually started any sessions yet I was the my first session was the evening and I walked out there with Daniel Hagen my friend we walked down from the um, shopping center at like 725 I'm preaching uh, the service starts at 730 a couple of minutes walk we're easy it's good but then I see a lady to my left hand side with a wheelchair and her husband pushing the wheelchair and I glance at her don't think of it much I was like that's a shame she's in a wheelchair she's like 60 and then keep walking the Lord says go back there and pray for her now well, I cut the, I'll cut a long story short for the sake of the podcast. I ended up at the church, I think 45 minutes or 40 minutes late. Wow. First time meeting the pastor. I walked into church though with a woman who no longer needed a wheelchair and her husband who were both unsaved. They both come up on the microphone. I could hardly preach. They come up on the microphone. They testify of what's happened. The whole church goes bananas. The woman was completely healed. They received the Lord in front of the church. Wow. Because I said, now that this has happened, do you want to receive Jesus? If I had the fear of man, I'd never stop like that. Mm-hmm. Now, could I have made a text? Hey, I'm so sorry I'm late. God really told me. But this is going to make, this is what where I love Christianity, that we have structure, that we have stuff to hold the river. But this is where the river takes precedence over the structure. Yeah. And the, the innocent obedience to God takes precedence over the fear of what this will cost me because convenience has cost me far more than obedience. Wow. Wow. So I learned learned it through circumstances like that too. (laughs) Uh, I remember Pastor Benny shared how, uh, and it was kind of like in a small room Mm -hmm. with pastors. You mean Benny Hinn? Benny Hinn. Oh, nice. Um, He shared how he began to hate ministry at a certain point of his life. And I know he's shared it publicly, so yeah. it's not it's not just for a closed, closed room. Yeah. And he said, you will begin to hate ministry when you start performing. So true. My goodness. And and I think it's it's a true statement to say ministry was never meant to be the goal. It was always meant to be the result of intimacy. Yes. With the Lord. Yes. To where, you know. We're not we're not performing on a stage or performing in ministry because that's yeah. exhausting. Very all the weight is on you. Yes, and uh, but but you're resting in that place of intimacy with Him and and learning to host Him. Yeah, um, such a true quote. 
what are I'm being guided by Vic here. <laughs> <laughs> what are the revelations that have guided your life, um, or set you free from uh, from what is this spelling, Vic? <laughs> it's a Russian. Set thing. you free most as a leader, the most as a leader. The revelations. Well, I think the one that I'm still living in, working on daily, feeding by, and wanting to drive dive deeper into and forsake more for, is um, the revelation of the love of God. Mm. I believe as a minister, as a leader, there is no greater, like, yeah. You know you know how it talks, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, I could give my body to be burned. Mm-hmm. And then he, he ends with this really weird thing and he goes, but I don't have love, it means nothing, right? And then he, ended, he just jabs this little verse in the very middle. It's a very weird one. I'd love to, if Vic could maybe study it and, and talk about it with me in the future because it's a really weird verse that he just goes, when I was a kid, I thought like a kid, I spoke like a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And then he goes back into faith, hope, and love and everything. Mm-hmm. He just jabs that little when I was a kid thing in there. And what he says is he says three things. I spoke, I reasoned, and I understood. Mm-hmm. Those three things as, as a child. The immaturity of knowing what, like knowing God loves you, but yet like not having his love for others, not the immaturity of being able to, to give your body to be burned, yet not having love while you're doing it, of being able to sacrifice and work so hard for God, yet not receiving and giving that affection that you have to the Lord. Mm. Paul's like, you can burn your body up. It's yeah. not going to mean anything if you didn't have love. Mm-hmm. And so the goal for, of all my instruction in the Lord, and, and Timothy's, it's written in, the, in Timothy as well, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure conscience, right? Yeah. So I want my love for Jesus to be genuine, to be sincere, to learn to lean into being affectionate toward him. And then the most important part, I believe, of that is that he also could love me. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be a leader and I'm going to really love people, I've got to be saturated with this stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I don't, Roman, I don't receive love well. It's just that, it's just that simple. I don't receive it very well. I, I, it's taken me years to, to, the, to get to the place of better receptivity from God towards me, mm-hmm. that I can just sit there and even though I didn't do exactly what I should have done or promised to, I'd wake up at five and pray every day and I didn't, I slept in one day, whatever. Everything that I was, the, the way I was operating with God, it seemed to have this sort of subtle undertone of condemnation. And so I couldn't really receive love very well. And it was not God's fault. He was trying to shed it abroad in my heart consistently. Mm-hmm. But it was just stuff in me, honestly. And, wow. and I think that sometimes leaders, you know, they get more focused on being a good leader and, um, and being faithful and all those things are very important. But as you said before, those are the outcomes of, you know, the, the, the vine and I am the branch. And yeah. here I am, vine, feed me with who you are. Yeah. Fill me as a branch with who you are. The, the trees are, and the leaves on my branch are less important than my association and depth with that vine. That is the most important. So for me, the greatest revelation that's really transforming me these last years is a revelation of God's personal intimate love for me as a man mm-hmm. and, and his affection toward me and his nearness. And I'll just finish with this on this particular question. I was in an airport, in Houston airport, about five months ago or something. And I had one of the most profound encounters I've had in my life with the love of God. When I missed a plane, an international flight to Germany, and I was given like a hotel pass thing. I went to the hotel. They had no rooms left in the inn, you know, no place to stay. Mm. <laughs> a bit like the Lord. And, uh, and I was like tired and I'd ministered like crazy, no plane. And, uh, and they said, no test vaccine thing, no uh, 
PCR test. Everything was shut. Everything wasn't wow. working. And I sat in front of this hotel and I was like, <sighs> you know, <laughs> and I just sat there with my bags and alone. Didn't have any assistance with me this time on this trip. And I was like, God, where am I going to stay? And that's easy. You can Google it. That's not, that's not an issue. But I was just down. I felt the Lord Jesus himself walk next to me and sit on the bench outside the hotel wow. and just sit next to me. I lost it. I was a weeping mess. And I was like, inside I'm trying to figure out, why is he here? Mm. I'm outside the Houston Marriott. You know, why mm. is he here? And he was just there because I was having a rough day. Wow. That's it. Just as a friend. He's just my mm-hmm. friend. And so my God, who is the glory of the whole universe and upholds it by the word of his power, who the stars are bowing down to and the gravity is giving answer and accord to, that God is also a friend. And he wants to be a friend to you and me and to those listening. For a leader, they have to walk yeah. in that kind of love and friendship with the Lord. Not have to because of like you need to, but we get to. We get to. Yeah. So this is the greatest revelation in these last years that is hitting me square in the face lately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just can't wait to discover more of the wonders and depths of his love for us. Yes. So good. You, you host the Lord in such a beautiful way in corporate settings. Um. I think this would be a question a lot of people would want to ask, especially those in ministry mm-hmm. and who get to preach the word of God and yeah. and lead uh, corporate settings and services. Mm-hmm. How do you, what kind of patterns, you mentioned that you've watched Bill, you've, yeah. you've learned things from him and may, maybe many others. What kind of things do you typically see or do you p- typically do to take the room from you know, a surface level experience into a deeper encounter with Jesus. Yeah, I'll share two or three things here that might sound um, very methodical, Mm -hmm. but uh, they are in some way. But here's what I do do. They're methodical through, through the context of relating to God. But in worship, I'll be trying to look for what he's doing. So I know I have a sermon to preach, but he may change that Rolodex in my mind and go, it's not this sermon, it's this one actually now. Preach on this. He might tell me um, the other day we were at a church and he told me there's somebody here with incurable bone disease. And I had a picture in my conscience, like my mind, of probably they're old. Well, there was wow. someone there with that. And I, I leaned into that and I felt like the Lord said, pray. My goodness, I can't tell you. The miracles that begin to break out. Wow. This man couldn't feel his legs or feet and he was about 75. After about three minutes, he could feel them both. Like his feet, all the nerves were gone. Like it just, God healed them completely. It was so powerful. But so I'm leaning in like, okay, Lord, what do you want to do here? That's one part of it. The second part of it is this. I'm taking the people of God from the place that they're used to normally being in into a place of more openness, receptivity, and vulnerability with the Lord. Mm. So I'm encouraging their own expression toward God, even if it's kind of out of the box that they're used to. And Probably does that make sense? So absolutely, I, I might prepare. People say, "Wow, deliverance happens through you so easily." It's like, yeah, but you probably don't didn't you probably thought the five minutes that I just helped prepare people's heart wasn't that important. But what mm-hmm. you don't realize is they're more delivered than probably they would have been if they yeah. held on to their own personal respectability. Yeah. You, you and even today, you called them to some kind of action. Yes, and their obedience almost like yielded to the anointing in the room. Correct. It doesn't even have to be a big thing. Yes, you know, that's it's, right. It's almost like saying, everyone that's hungry for more, lift your hands. Exactly. And all of a sudden, that posture, that obedience to the anointing, yeah. it just releases something over their life. Yeah, like it's, you know, in Jesus, when he put the mud on, the, he said, go and wash. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there is a certain, sometimes there's an action that releases, even though the anointing's on the eyes to heal, there's an action that releases that breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes I'm calling people into that and getting their heart ready for deeper places. And often I'll say things like, forget who's in this room, just look at the Lord personally, love on him, you know, and then I'll start to, and this is the third thing I was going to say, and this is the most important one for me. The way I've seen the depth of a room and hosting the presence of God and the anointing flow with the Lord, the way I've greatest seen breakthrough in that is me on the stage, almost in a sense, after I've done that, forgetting that they're there for a minute and me just loving on Jesus and yes. welcoming him even more wow. and really loving on him. I'm not the, just the host in that moment. Does that yeah. make sense? I'm yeah. also a lover. And the more I do that and the more I begin to worship him and I'll begin to sing and I don't have, I'm not Jeremy Riddle, but see again, I've lost my sense of the need to be perfect and, and, and to be a professional minister. And, and so I'm looking to love on God in those moments. And we've seen moments like that turn into two hours of worship and, yeah. and it could be, not just worship. I mean, it's people weeping like crazy, their whole hearts transformed. So worship to me is, um, you know, he rides on the presence of that. He, he comes in when he's welcomed. And I think it's a really big deal when we give God more time sometimes. Can I just say one last Absolutely. thing? Absolutely. To correlate that though, people then say, well, do we need three hours of worship for the Lord to come in that way? No. The heart posture, God moves according to the posture more mm-hmm. than he does according to the amount of time. Yeah. So yeah. our own heart affection toward the Lord can be quick. I've had times in my car where I'm like, I love you, Jesus. And I'll say it three times. I love you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Yeah. And on the third time I'm saying, it, I just feel this resonance of the presence of God build and it's strong, you know. Mm-hmm. And other times I've, it's, it's, it's a couple of hours and then he comes in a different way. So God is like the wind. I can't control how he's coming, but I certainly can make that, um, that atmosphere, so to speak, more welcoming for God and more attentive to his presence. Wow. I'll never forget, actually, when I met you, it was a service where you called the women to come up on stage oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just scream. Yes. Uh, or you said, yell Jesus or something. Yeah. Freedom, yeah, yell yeah. freedom. Yeah. You called them to action. Says, I just feel like some of some of the women here need to just break out of this bondage, and yeah. you can do that by just coming up on stage yes. and just yelling freedom into the microphone. Yes. But what took place in the room? I was weeping just watching. Wow. There was such a strong anointing and uh, it marked my life. Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, so so it's true. And yeah. sometimes just obeying the simple things the Lord is yeah. leading us to do can release such a strong breakthrough uh, in the room. Yeah, to be honest, Roman, like as a minister, you know, you're, you're a really amazing. Pre- you and Vic, both really great preachers. I've watched some of your stuff, believe it or not. So I tune in, you know what I mean? Mm. I sometimes see, wow. see some of the YouTubes and services and stuff, but you know, you guys are great ministers and, and I, I think I'm okay too, preacher. But, you know, um, I feel like some ministers, not you guys, you, you're so open to the spirit, but some ministers just catch this lane of being a professional minister. Mm. And, uh, and I feel like I'm a bit different. I feel like a bit of a different egg and I feel yeah. like I bring a different thing and an unexpected thing and it doesn't always sit well. Yeah. But that's not the point. If it doesn't sit well in terms of like, hey, his three-point sermon wasn't a banger and everyone clapped and he wore a suit when he said it, suit jacket, that's cool. But I really remember those guys when they've come across the pulpits that I've sat in. I rarely remember their messages. I always though remember the presence of God. Yeah. So I feel like we need to make sure in this modern day that we stay true to the the kind of Christ in us, not Christ in the way we think 
someone yes. wants us. Yes. You know, and that's what you guys host so beautifully here. Wow. And uh, I think Thank that people you. need to avoid that lane of professionalism. Yeah. And remember, we need God to touch people. It's yes. all pointing to Jesus more than it is to yes. the points or the suit jacket I can wear or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like uh, there's a phrase, give God a plan to ruin. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay to plan and to prepare and to do things in excellence. Yes. But it's always given to him. Amen. And we're, you know, yielded to what he's Amen. doing in the room. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> such powerful thoughts. And yeah. would you would you just pray over yeah. the listeners and just uh, release what's in your heart over the leaders mm. and people that are hungry for Jesus and listening to us today? Yes, my Lord. I thank you so much. God, I thank you for every person that's listening to this and the beautiful, amazing, deep, and very vulnerable heart you've given them for you the way you've made them to be one with you and union with you and strengthened by you, God. I pray, Jesus, they would be true to that love, that they would learn to be deep in their affection for God and deep in their receiving of his love. I pray, Father in heaven, that they wouldn't change who they are and how they've been made to be simply because they fear what people think of them, but they would fear the Lord, that they would go after your call, that they would go after the, the radical things that you tell them to do and the, the steps of faith that don't look sensible. And Father, I pray that above all, all of us as ministers would point people more to your son, that all of us would be conformed to the image of Jesus, understanding that we are preparing people for an eternal heaven. Yeah. So I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, break the fear of man, break that intimidation off people and help them, God, to prepare the, the house of God and others for eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. If this uh, blessed you, share it with others and subscribe. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>